And now our scripture reading. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hope Jersey City. We're so glad that you're here with us. Um, thank you. As you know, uh, some of you know that our hope, our vision is to connect people to the tangible love of Jesus. And we hope that even as you get connected, as you get plugged in, that you'll be connected not only to community, but also connected to Christ as well. So thank you for joining us um, this morning. We're continuing our sermon series that we started on Jesus and prayer, a master class on prayer. And we've been, we want to, um, even today, actually, um, today's a, a, a holy day in the Christian calendar, uh, a day where the church celebrates the day of Pentecost. Is really when the church began, um, has, uh, as is written in Scripture in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came down on uh, 120 people, and they were filled with the Spirit. And from there, the, the church started. This whole revolution started. And it started in a prayer meeting. It started when people were gathered together to see God's face, to listen to God, and this is how the church began. And today is perfect, even as we've been given this, we started this sermon series, uh, this is the second week on that, uh, about that, and we want to help our people, help you guys to learn more about prayer, but also practice prayer, because we believe in that, that's where we are able to meet with God. So today we, we read from Matthew 6, and if you know anything about um, relationships or um, working uh, uh, in, in your company or um, anything that has to do with community, they will tell you that one of the most important ingredients, one of the most essential ingredients for, for that relationship to thrive is communication, Right? It's talking, it's sharing, and marriage, right? They, if you took a uh, premarital class, um, they, they probably told you, communication is the most important thing in your marriage, right? Talk, 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 talk. If you lead a company or if you're part of uh, an executive team, um, one of the things you learn is to over-communicate your vision. And when you get tired of it, you communicate it again. Why? Because vision leaks, as they say. People forget what the company exists for. And that's why every week we say we exist to connect people to the tangible love of Jesus, right? We say that every week because we know that people forget. So we have to over-communicate it. If you're part of a team at work, right, and one of the things uh, you need for the te team to thrive is communication, is always talking, always sharing in your marriage, in your relationships. Why? Well, communication brings us together to a shared purpose and a loving union, right? It brings people together 
to a purpose, to a shared purpose, and to a, a, a union of, so that you guys, so you can work well together. And prayer is essentially what that is. It is this communication with God where we get to share, have a shared purpose, have a loving union. And Jeremiah talked about that last week, that as we come in prayer with God, we, got, we, we are able now to release God's purposes on earth. So prayer is about. Philip Yancey says this, that prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet. Prayer is the place where the creator and the creation intersect. This is where they come together. And that's why we pray, because in prayer, we get to meet with God. There's a, um, a Pew Research poll that found that 55% of all adults pray every day. It's a lot of people. 55% of adults pray every day. 79% of evangelical Protestants pray every day. It's a lot of people. There are a lot of people that believe in prayer. Whether you're Christian or not, a lot of us do pray, believe it or not. Think about when you're trying to find a parking spot. What do you end up doing? God, please help me to find a parking spot. It's so, it's so uh, uh, ubiquitous that um, even Edison Park Fast, which is kind of a parking lot, they even use that as an advertisement. It's like God is too busy to pray so, to find you a parking spot, but we, we have a parking spot for you, right? <laughs> they know people pray, so they use that to market it to you. You see politicians pray, right? You see, um, after every speech, they say, God bless America. And some of them may not even be Christians, but they're willing to say that. God bless America. When you're going through a hard, hard time, if you're a Christian or not, you find yourself, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? What is going on? That's a prayer. We're declaring a prayer. Sometimes we're, like, we're not praying to God, but we're praying to some higher being, right? Why is this happening to me? I think a lot of us, we do pray. We do cry out to God. Again, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we find ourselves in prayer. But what Jesus here is pointing to us in the scripture verse, he is here correcting us. He is, he is moving us to the way we ought to pray. Because the way we often pray is often in, uh, in ways that are not helpful, not beneficial to us. And I would suggest that the way we pray reveal more about us than we realize. The way we pray actually is an open window to the condition of our souls. So today I want to talk about this as, you, as, as we see in this text. 
There's three points I want to make here. What is the perversion of prayer, the posture of prayer, and the position of prayer? What is, what is Jesus trying to correct? What is that perversion? What is the posture that we ought to have, and where does that position us? So let's look at this, the perversion of prayer. In this scripture verse we read in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about two people, two groups of people. And he says, he addresses them because he believes that they have perverted the way prayer ought to be. He called the hypocrites and then the babbling pagans. Those are the two groups of people. The hypocrites, he says, he describes as one who stands in the synagogue so that everyone could see them, everyone could see how pious they are, how important they are, how, how uh, holy or religious they seem. He says they pray, they stand up in the synagogue, or they stand in the street corner so that people can actually see them. And he talked about the babbling pagans who believe that the effectiveness of their prayer dependent on the amount of words they utter to God. So the more words I pray, the more effective the prayer. Now, they sound like two different groups of people, but there's one thing that actually ties them together. Is that they've used prayer as a means to serve their selfish desires. The hypocrite stands in front of everyone so that everyone can think about how important they are. The babbling pagan prays long prayers so that, so that, because he thinks that his righteousness or his, the effectiveness of the prayer is dependent on him, not on God. And I think that's a very scary thing because these people are able to take something so sacred and somehow turn it to something so sinister. The sacredness of prayer, which is the meeting of human and God, becomes an avenue for people to fulfill their own self-desires, to look important in front of people, to meet their own needs. And Jesus... Here, talks about this. He says, no, that's not the way. That's not the way we ought to pray. That's not the way we ought to meet God. I think about myself um, um, as even, even now, honestly, like as a believer, one of the ways that I find myself praying is always, always, Asking God for something. Always. It's, oh man, I have to worry. There's this I have to worry about. There's work. There, there are things that are going on at church or people that I'm meeting. And I'm, God, God, this. I'm always petitioning him. And for a long time, I thought that, oh yeah, that's what prayer is about. Just petitions. But what I realized that all of my prayers have become about meeting my desires. All my prayers have become about meeting my own needs. Now, think about it for a second. If you're in a relationship, maybe marriage, or you have, you're in, uh, you know, 
I don't know what you call that, boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> I don't even know how to say that anymore because I'm not, I'm married now, so. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just think about it for a second. If all of your relationship is centered around one person always asking you for something, how does that feel? What does that look like? It doesn't feel good. It feels needy. It feels too much. If you're a parent, you know what that's like. It's like a child nagging the parents. I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. Give me more. If you're a parent, you know what that's like. Always nagging you. That's what it feels like when we're with God. Sometimes our prayers, it's just like that. Even the whole thing of asking for a parking spot, it's the same thing. God, God, please, please. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need. It might be for a promotion, a job promotion. It might be for your whatever it is. We often, our prayers are like nagging kids. Um, A.W. Tozer says this. He says, prayer among evangelical Christians is always in danger of uh, degenerating into a glorified gold rush. Almost every book on prayer deals with the get element mainly. How to get things we want from God occupies most of our space. Christians should never forget that the highest kind of prayer is never making requests. The highest kind of prayer is never making requests. Again, if you're in a relationship, you know that. That, 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 that in, in, in a relationship, the highest form of communication is serving the other. Is being a person who serves your, your mate. So then what, how does Jesus call us now to live into this? And as Jesus calls us to live not out of, out of our selfish desires, not out of fulfilling whatever we want and whatever we need, what does Jesus call us to? Jesus says this, the antidote to this hypocrisy is hidden intimacy. So the posture we have to take in prayer, in communicating with God, it's not always making requests but is actually living a life of hidden intimacy. He describes it like this. Go into your closet. Like hide. Hide and, and be with God. So it means that the, 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 in order for us now to, to uh, move away from that perversion is for us to hide with God, to be with God. What if we prayed that way? What if we, in maybe if you, if you have, in your time of devotion, devotion, you actually are hidden with God, and you don't even have to say anything, that you're just with God. What would that look like? For you not to say anything, for you not to nag, 
but just to be with God. The perversion of prayer has led us to a self-seeking um, attitude, a self-seeking a- um, posture. And the only antidote is what Jesus has prescribed for us is this hidden intimacy. It's just learning to be with God. Um, I remember um, maybe about 10 years ago, like I shared earlier, one of the things, one of the ways that I thought I, I was supposed to pray was just making all my requests known. I had a list. Like, okay, I got to pray for this. And then I check it off. I pray for it. Check it off. And then one, I don't remember what it was. Um, actually, I remember now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I was actually working at a church. And at that moment, I was questioning whether I was supposed to be at that church. This is years ago. And there were just every indication, indicators to me or indication to me that I should not be there. But I wasn't sure. I, w- I was not sure at all. And, and again, it was one of those things when I prayed, I was just like, God, you know, it was making my request known. This is it. This is what I have to say. And then I'm done. And, and I think I had this epiphany where I thought to myself, maybe I should just listen. <laughs> maybe I should just be quiet for a second. Right? Like, if you're trying to ask God for direction, maybe I should just listen. I don't even have to say anything. And that really changed the way I prayed. That I came to a point where I can just be silent before God and actually try to listen. And one of the ways God would even speak to me at that time was through his scriptures. I would just read whatever I was reading that day. It would just speak to that very situation I was going through. And as I built that, it was this, again, it was hiding, this building this intimacy with God. And I'm not trying to make myself a hero in the story, but I'm sharing an example of, like, one of the ways if we, um, we need to reorient the way we pray is just by listening, by building this hidden life with God. Just like we do with our friends and our relationships. We listen and we hide in God. Uh, I like this quote by Henry Nouwen, and he says this. He says, one of the reasons that hiddenness is such an, an important aspect of the spiritual life is that it keeps us focused on God. It moves our minds and our, and, and our distractions from the worries and the anxieties that could so many times just overwhelm us. It keeps us focused on God. In hiddenness, we do not receive human acclamation, admiration, support, or encouragement. In hiddenness, we have to go to God with our sorrows and joys and trust that God would give us what we most need. And then he says this, in our society, we are inclined to avoid hiddenness. We want to be seen. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be useful to others. We want to influence the course of events. But as we become visible and popular, we grow dependent on people and their responses 
easily lose touch with the true source of our being. Hiddenness is the place of purification. In hiddenness, we find our true selves. I, I realize this too, even in my own life, that, and I think I've shared this with you all before, is social media has been that place where, you know, it's the place where we get admiration from people, we get acclamation from people, where we get our likes and we get our comments that we so desire and desperately need. And for me, I realized it was killing my soul. It was hurting my soul because I needed that. I was so dependent on that, on receiving the acclamation of people. But when you, when you shift towards hiding in God, when you live a life, a healthy relationship, a hidden intimacy with God, you no longer depend on people for life support. You no longer depend on them for that. And notice I didn't say you won't receive acclamation or you won't receive admiration, but you would not depend on it. You won't have to walk into a room and feel the need to show off all of your, you know, your degrees and the jobs that you do and your accomplishments or feel disrespected because you are not acknowledged as the most important person in the room, you won't need that. Because in a hidden intimacy, in a healthy relationship with God, that becomes all that you need. That's enough. That's more than enough. And one of the indicators of this, of, of hiding in God's presence, is actually humility. I've been reading a book called um, The Ideal Tem- Team Player. And most people know this. Like, it's not a new thing. It's not just that in order for a team to thrive, one of the key things you need or the team members need is humility. Is the ability to say, to admit when they're wrong, the ability to apologize when they need to apologize. One of the ways Jesus talks about is, he said, is when you come into a banquet, you're not expected to seat at the front of the seat. You actually rather sit in the back and have someone else seat in front. Meaning you're willing to give honor to others around you, to help those who are around you to be honored. And you, even you, you're okay with not being honored. So in hidden intimacy, as we hide in God, it builds, it builds this humility. That we are no longer, uh, we no longer live on our accomplishments. We no, no longer live for the, the, the pleasing of people. But what truly matters is what God, what truly matters is God at the end of the day. So that's our posture, posture of hidden intimacy with God. And then lastly, position, hidden intimacy, lastly positions us to receive the full benefit, the full reward of a life with God. 
I love how it's uh, one of one of the things Jesus said is this. He said, um, he says, do not be like the hypocrites who love to be seen, who love to be heard. Instead, go into your closet. Actually, I, one of the things Jesus says, he says, go into your closet. The closet is like, especially back then uh, in the Palestinian uh, home, uh, so, uh, the closet was like a supply room, was where all you put all of your supplies. So it's a tiny room, and it's the only room in the house that you can actually lock. It says, go there, hide there, hide in that room, be hidden with God. But then guess what happens? Is that he says this, your father who sees what is done in secret, the father who sees what you do in that closet, he's the one that rewards you. He's the one that blesses you. The father sees, and the last sentence of that text, it says the father knows. The father sees, and the father knows. There's, there's an element of um, this element of a deep relationship, element of uh, that w- when we find ourselves hidden in him, that we are able to embrace him as our father, right? Like we are able to embrace him as someone who cares for us. That even with all the things that we have to worry about and on all the things that we have on our plate, that the Father actually sees and the Father knows. It's a beautiful picture. The unseen God sees you in that hidden place. The unseen God knows what you need even before you ask. Now, that, that line for me is a puzzle. I don't know if you can put that text again. The Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Because when you read that line, it, it, you might think, or it begs the question, though, well, then what's the point of prayer? I don't, we don't need to pray then. If he sees and he knows, then I can just go about my business. I can do whatever I've been doing and just, it's okay, because the Father sees and knows. But this is exactly why prayer is important. <laughs> prayer is, again, not about making your requests known to him. Prayer is about intimacy. Prayer is about a relationship. Prayer is about coming to a shared purpose and a loving union with God. It's not about getting your material needs met. Because he knows, and he would take care of you. It's not about experiencing goosebumps or being excited. (laughs) It's about intimacy. In Colossians 3, 1 verses 3 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He's telling us Christ has paid the price for us. And all we need to do in all our worries and all our anxieties is set our minds on him. It's to be hidden with Christ in God above. It's to build that intimacy with him. Not just to wake up in the morning and, okay, this is my to-do list. God, I pray for this. God, I pray for that. Not just that. No, it's actually being with God. So what does that actually look like on a practical level? What does it look like for us to build a hidden intimacy with God? As I said before, it's just about being with God. And we're going to practice it. You can close your eyes. Just be with God. Listen to God. I'm not saying that you, you, you don't have requests. I'm not saying there, there are not things on your list that you need God to answer. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's wrong to even pray that. But I'm saying that what we need to do, how we need to shift the way we think about prayer, because it's not just about that. It's about, it's, about, it's about building a healthy relationship with God. So even as the worship team comes, I'm going to ask, again, if your eyes are open, you can close your eyes. We're going to practice something. Just being silent for a minute. And the music will play in the background. It's that we are with God even as we are silent. And God is with us. John 12, verse 27, it says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. God, we thank you that even as we build a life of intimacy with you, that we can hear you. That prayer is no longer just me making requests to you, but God, it's actually a flow of a conversation with you. That as we listen, we, we share, we talk. As you talk, we listen. Help us, God, to build this life, a life of hiddenness with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So stand. And even as before we sing, just I was just reminded that, you know, one of the, this honestly, in many ways, revolutionized the way I pray. Because I grew up, um, if you know anything about church, I grew up a charismatic and one of the things that we often were used to is just always having a prayer point. Just like, oh, yeah, I got this to say. I got this to say. And this and this and this and all these prayer needs that I had to say. <laughs> but I wasn't building a relationship with God. It was just me and God meeting my needs. But as we are able to listen, and just like that text said, we hear your voice. As we build a life of intimacy, as we share with God, a life with God, we can actually have a conversation. We can build a life with God. So even as we sing, um, sometimes, actually, honestly, sometimes even as we're singing, you might want to be silent and hear what God is saying. Sometimes you want to sing. Just, just it's, Again, it's this flow of conversation with God. Let's all sing together.